Hart shoots, fires. Shot won't go. Tuck of the rebound. And that'll do it. It's over. The Bucks have done it. The long wait has ended. After a half century, the Milwaukee Bucks are NBA champions once again. What's up, Root for Wisconsin Nation? This is Eric Ramsey and Justin, a special episode of the Root for Wisconsin show coming at you because the Bucks are NBA champions. Really? I didn't, I didn't see that anywhere. of the world. How awesome is that? So we decided we were going to do a special episode. Got to give credit to where credit is due. That audio courtesy of ABC slash ESPN. Mike Breen on the call. Milwaukee Bucks NBA champions. And we wanted to talk about it. We haven't really talked about too much outside of our group chat. And really, even at that, it was pretty low key. This episode is sponsored solely tonight by Fanatics Love On. You guys get your finals championship gear yet? I know I did. I actually got a really nice polo that's coming. You really? Yeah. Justin? I did not get a chance to, to even get there. I was in the weight room until we started re- recruit or uh, recording here, and, and I didn't even get a chance to even look at that yet. But you best be sure that that's going to happen. Yeah, hashtag love on. Show your love for the Milwaukee Bucks. Fanatics.com. Find your championship gear officially there. I got the hat, and then a T-shirt says Bucks and Six NBA champions. Like I said, I got a really nice golf polo. Big fan of that. Yeah, it's going to look nice. Big fan of that. We are recording from the Mia True Value and Riverwood Gallery Studio in De Pere, Wisconsin. And really, we don't have an agenda for this one. We just are going to kind of let it fly, get our initial thoughts and reactions out of the way as they kind of come to us regarding the now two-time champion Milwaukee Bucks. And first, I guess, I got to say, lead off with the obvious, Giannis Antetokounmpo had one of the most impressive finals performances as a whole. It's it's mind-blowing when you think. We didn't even know if he was going to play. Well, Coming yeah, they, he had a high percent of knee in what game four, game four of the Atlanta, Atlanta series. Man, the NBA playoffs are long. Yeah, it yeah. Was like two months ago they started. I know it's crazy. NBA really has to drag that out, don't they? They really do. But, but Justin, the performance, the performance that Giannis put on. Just the will to to will that team, even when it was getting hairy. Drew Holiday couldn't hit a shot. They played the Phoenix just played some outstanding defense on Middleton to uh to to really limit the the good looks that he was getting earlier in the series. He did not get a good look in that game all night last night. Uh, so Giannis, in, in true superstar form, put the team on his back. Basically scored half of the team's points. He scored 50 points on the 50th anniversary of their 1971 championship. Do you think that's ironic, or do you think Giannis is just that damn smart? He did that that way. Well, I mean, he was ordering 50-piece nuggets all day. So, I mean, I'm guessing he's probably that smart. Giannis is living his best life. He, you, did, you watch, did you watch the video of him at Chick-fil-A? I did, yes. He's Hell sitting yeah. there, hadn't slept in whatever time he woke up yesterday. 
I can't imagine he slept much last night either. He didn't sleep last night. Or maybe you mean the night before? Yeah. Going into the game. Yeah. No, probably not. Goes into the game, has one of the best individual performances, and that's his third forty-plus point game in this in the, this finals. You know what was almost Giannis in this series is the the craziest part about it is that you know we always for the last fifteen years. LeBron has been the guy you've watched and been like, there's no one else in the league that can do what LeBron does on a night-in, night-out basis. Right. That's changed. Now it is, you watch Giannis, it's that same feeling of watching LeBron about 10 years ago where you're watching him and being like, I don't know if there's a player in the league that's going to be able to stop him when he truly wants to score. No, and that's, that's he was going downhill last night. When the ball was in his hands, you didn't think he was going to miss. Not at the free throw line, not from 15 feet out, knocked down a three. Didn't he? Might have, I think he knocked down two or just one. I believe it was one. But... It was one. I know he shot two, but he knocked down a three. He just had that whole give me the ball, we're winning this damn thing. And like Justin said, like Ramsey said, put the team on his back. I mean, Outside of Giannis, you know, you said it yourself, Justin, scored basically half the team's points. It was not good offensively outside of Giannis. I, what, Chris Middleton had 17, Drew Holiday had 12. Yep, Brooke Lopez had 10. Bobby Portis had 16 off the bench. That was huge. Bobby Portis, another, we were talking about this off air about how, yeah, Giannis was the MVP, but Drew Holiday was probably one of the most important defensive <coughs> players. Drew Holiday playing just lights out defense on Chris Paul, on Devin Booker, frustrating them to the point. Devin Booker didn't want to shoot in game six. No, especially coming down the stretch. But Bobby Portis played the entire series, just huge minutes. Mm-hmm. Was constantly effective every time he was on the floor. It, you know, it's just, I don't know, yeah, you can't really say enough about how the thing that I personally, and that's why I picked Phoenix, that I didn't think Milwaukee was going to be able to do they did last night, and they did it convincingly about being able to actually close out a team that probably can outscore them mm-hmm. when they're hitting their shots. And Phoenix hit their shots last night, but Milwaukee, like we, you've been saying this entire postseason, they've answered every single time that some of these teams have been getting on runs on them. And it's just been, like I said, something that I didn't think Milwaukee was going to be able to do, but they definitely did. But it was just—it was just so damn impressive to, to watch uh, Giannis will himself into the into the lane. Uh, one one of the keys earlier in the series played out again last night, getting Aiton in trouble, uh, in, in foul trouble early in the third. Really, really played a factor. Although Kaminsky gave them six good points and off the bench, and he really played some solid solid uh, ball out there for... I was going to add, Frank Kaminsky played his most meaningful basketball since the 2015 NCAA championship last night. I said to my wife he, watching he, last night, I'm like, when was the last time I saw Frank play? She's like, it's been a while. He, he really played uh, uh, some some high minutes, some really good minutes. Um, I, I think I think uh, the world of Phoenix. I, I'm right along with you, Ramsey. I think they're a team that's destined for a long run if they can keep that nucleus together. Uh, just just so young, so good. Uh, one of my favorite players on their team, Cameron Payne, 
he, he's just an electric player. You don't, you don't know which way he's going and, and what kind of shot he's got a great, you know, I think he's, he's a future star if they keep, if they keep him, uh, playing and he might fill in for Chris Paul, whatever happens with Chris, he's got a player option. Can you imagine staring $44 million in the face and saying, nah, I'm going to go try to do this somewhere else. No way we, we schmucks would ever do that. But on a buck side, I mean, just the, the resolve of Chris Middleton, even when you talk about that, that last second shot, uh, when it, when it came down to it, uh, you know, Phoenix got that game down at the end. There was a point there. They had a shot to the bucks had a shot to make it a 10 point game. There was a bad possession. And then Phoenix comes back and hits a couple big shots and they got it down to three or four points. And then Middleton just comes in and nails, nails one and Booker is right in his face. It's off the dribble. He, he amazingly gets his shoulder squared to the, the hoop to dish it. And it was an 18 footer off the run. It was an awesome shot. Just a huge, huge shot that, you know, clinched the championship for the Bucks. So just the resolve and, and drew holiday talk about resolve. The guy was four for 19 from the field. Couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. He couldn't even throw the ball in the ocean. If he was sitting in a boat, he was that bad offensively, but then he, he finds a different way. You know, I don't, Eric, you're probably going to come out with a plus minus on it, but the guy had 12 points and he, and he almost had a triple double off of shooting for for 19 for the game. So, well, uh, you know, the resolve with these bucks to find different ways and different guys to step up and, and the true meaning of a team uh, was, was awesome. And, you know, Bobby Porter's plays big minutes. Brooke, Brooke Lopez isn't in at the end of the game. You know, your fourth highest paid guy is not even in at the end of the game. But what a dunk that guy had early in the third quarter. That was electric. That really turned the momentum for the Bucks there. Drew Holiday played 46 minutes last night. I don't know if you realize that, Justin, but he played almost the entire game. Drew Holiday ended it was, up plus 12 to, as well. The second highest plus minus. It really wasn't great for the Bucks plus minus wise last night. I mean, we've it seen was some... terrible. They had like 15 turnovers in the first half or something like that. They yeah. were tight. But they... so Phoenix was too, though. Chris yeah, Paul, Phoenix I think, had, had 12. Five, Chris Paul had five by himself, I think. Chris Paul did have. Chris Paul had three turnovers. Devin Booker had six. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. But just looking at the, I mean, the one guy, and I'm, I'm, and even he played big minutes. The one guy I've been bragging about all playoffs, specifically the final series, has been Pat Conson. And offensively, it wasn't there last night at all. Oh, it was brutal for him. Defensively, though, again, just another guy getting boards when it mattered. There was a moment for every guy that touched the floor last night, except except maybe Jeff Teague. I really can't think of anything <laughs> Jeff Teague did. Great, he was in but for two minutes. Connington took a huge charge call on Booker that was mid fourth quarter when the game was tied. That that changed the the pace of the game right there. It really got Booker frustrated uh, at, at the end of the game. And and to speak of Booker, you know, with, with such a young talent and and how great you see him during the regular season and all the other seasons, uh, he really didn't 
he had one game where he was just so electric in in this series where he was just so electric that you, you know you put the ball in his hands you're either talking two or three points automatically but you, you know the rest of those games it, it felt like the bucks really really did a great job on him and really really frustrated me the thing with devin booker is he showed his youth in the last probably and i go back to what happened in game 3 when he sat in the fourth and didn't hit the four in the fourth quarter, he showed youth since then. And not that the moment was too big for him, because I definitely don't think it was, but it's a lot for a player. That's his first playoff run. Right. That's his first time in the playoffs making it and not even right. making it, just making a deep run in general. So you've kind of seen that with every other star in the league. You kind of have to lose first. Before yeah. you can well, kind of come back. Let's just and... let's just talk about the the kind of number you see floating around, and we've talked about it right at the start of this finals and a couple episodes back. The Bucks won more games this playoff series or this playoffs this uh, postseason than they did in all of 2013-2014, the first year of Giannis yeah. and Chris Middleton. Yep, you have to kind of pay your debts when you get to that point. Even LeBron had to do it. Michael Jordan had to do it. Not necessarily it all happens in the finals, but you have to get beat up a little bit first. And so let's go back to what you were saying, Justin, with Phoenix. I think their future is promising. They and have a great – Phoenix is in a great position to win long-term, even without Chris Paul. I mean, Devin Booker is a bona fide star. The, so, DeAndre Ayton is a bona fide star. Yeah, star, but yeah. I'm not paying nope, DeAndre Ayton nope. at this point. Seeing what he did last during the playoffs, the first two games he was pivotal. The last bit, not so much. And that's kind of one of the things that's going to be really interesting to see, even with Milwaukee now, because after you win a championship, you pay everyone. But it's going to be interesting to see you're going to have to put the money in the right spot going forward. Even Milwaukee, you're going to have to put the money in the right spot. You're probably going to have to cut some of these guys around this team just because contracts are going to be up and you're not going to have the salary cap to deal with it all. Well, they with with the finals when they officially did go over the luxury tax because of yep. roster bonus to Drew Holiday. Really? That's yeah. awesome. Good for them. About time Wisconsin spends some money. But, uh, the yeah, I mean, it's good for Phoenix. I, if I'm them, I'm not bringing back Chris Paul. I'd try to move that contract. Kind of go into a soft rebuild. You have pieces, you just got to make sure... You, don't cheap out oh, pay the wrong people. You could see here here's the Chris Paul fact for that team. Uh, you know, he's taught them how to win now. You you have taught a loaded bunch of young talent with Mikhail Bridges, Cameron Johnson. You got eight and you are talking about Cameron Payne. I mean Mikhail Bridges is the man. He he is a bona fide superstar, defensive superstar in this league uh, going forward. So you, you've taught a loaded bunch of young talent how to win. Um, so they're kind of, they're kind of at, at the will of Chris Paul because it's a player option. Um, but, but I'll tell you what, I wouldn't be sad to lose Chris Paul either. The early reports out on that is that he's going to decline that player option hit free agency is what the early report is. I don't know if that's true or not. He's kind yeah, of looking for another contract. Know. 
But if I'm Phoenix, man, I hope he kind of does that. Cause that's a 37-year-old Chris Paul that's injury-prone. Yeah, exactly. And- that's exactly what I was going to say. What other team is going to pay Chris Paul $44 million or even whatever, you know, $33 million? Oh, Unless I- he takes a friendly mid-level exception or something. It wouldn't surprise to, to me. play on a super team. To see him go to, like, a Miami or a New York or even the uh, Lakers wouldn't be a bad fit. He just he I don't know if he can go I don't know if he's gonna be able to play eighty two games next year, especially coming off a deep playoff run. And a shortened off season. And a shortened off season. Those the the best thing even for the Lakers with like LeBron is that they're gonna go into next season not having played into July. That LeBron's been off now for what, two months pretty much? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. So you're gonna get a longer off season that it's gonna allow some of these other teams to get healthy. Like I said, if I'm Phoenix man, I kind of, I'm a big Chris Paul fan too. Like I, I would be kind of sad to see him leave, but that's not a bad thing if you're a Phoenix Suns fan. Yeah, especially how good Cameron Payne has played. I mean, in the first half, he pretty much kept them in the game. Yeah, I mean, or, or when the Bucks got up by 13, he's pre- he's pretty much the one that brought him back. He had 10 big points in, in that run. The guy is just electric, and I think you you, you know you can really get away with a guy like that at, at point guard. And, and you know, too, Justin, after any time Milwaukee would score, you would see them inbound the ball right away. Yeah, Phoenix was inbounding the ball right away and getting back up the floor. And they would, if you've noticed in the game as well, when Chris Paul was in, that pace wasn't necessarily there all the time. It was there, but it wasn't. There were some points where you'd watch him inbound the ball, and Chris Paul's kind of walking up the fourth, throwing off pace. So Chris Paul helped, but again, he had a minus fifteen last night. So that's something that you know, and that's just not a, nothing. Just the kind of if you still want that veteran leadership, you have a guy on your starting five that can be your veteran guy that you can probably sign cheap enough in Jay Crowder. Yeah, well, I don't even know if you need that veteran leadership anymore. These guys have made a finals now. You know, I think that Devin Booker, especially as the leader of that team, he knows how to win at this point. I don't think he's going to regress, right? He's gotten better last year. He's better than the year before. He's continued to improve. And that veteran leadership, some of the other veterans that are going to be coming in aren't going to be even tell you, like, oh, I've been to the finals before, right? Like, And like you said, Jay Crowder, too, is... Awesome. I love Jay Crowder. He's been... Uh, I, I love Jay Crowder, but I hate playing... I, I hate when teams that I like play against Jay Crowder. Yeah. He's an easy guy to pull for. I hated well, when, it, I hated when it, my it, or Los beautiful. Angeles played against him last year, and I hated when Milwaukee played him against yeah. this year. And the beautiful thing about losing Chris Paul is look how much money it frees up. Yeah. So you can go get a valuable... Dollars. You can go get a valuable guy... You know, it speaks tons to to a guy like Jeff Teague, who's probably what your third point guard if Divincenzo doesn't go down, coming off. But how valuable was he? And you're only paying him. I I don't I can't remember off the top, but anywhere from three to five million dollars this year. We'll just so think of- freeze you up to deepen your team and deepen your roster for valuable veterans like that. So put that for instance, Brooke Lopez is making about twelve million a year. So Chris It'll Paul, make thirteen next year. Yep, you're right. Right. So you're talking twelve million. You could theoretically sign 
two Brooke Lopez's and then a Jeff Teague, a Jeff Teague, and still have money left over to pay DeAndre if you wanted. So right. that's, and I think that's kind of what we're starting to see in the NBA, especially with how the they had the condensed schedule, shortened offseason. The teams that were really deep were the teams that were left at the end. Like even LA, who was the favorite going in, they're a top-heavy roster. Right. They have a lot of money in their starting five. Their bench kind of suffered a little bit because they had to pay the starting five. So you lost some of that depth, and that's what really we saw. Even like Eric's been saying this entire time, Milwaukee goes, I they played, what, eight guys last night? Eight guys last night. But they've at points this postseason. Well, you think Dante would have played? Dante would have played. That's nine. At points, you like you said in this postseason alone. I mean, Bryn Forbes disappeared. Which whatever. Which is kind of surprising, right? He had a big, just regular season. He was kind of that guy coming off the bench that was kind of Bobby Portis role. You know, did he even play last night? I don't think he played game six or game five either. No. Wow. Like I said, he, no, I'm I'm just shocked. Uh, you just saying his name. I'm trying to remember whether he played last night or not. I don't, I don't he did not play, he last, play last, night. last night. I don't think he played game five either. I know he played though. He yeah, played Teague two did. minutes last night. Even that. So yeah, there, there's some big decisions that that the Bucks are going to have to go through in, in how to rebuild this roster because, as it sits right now, next year the. Uh, they count the big three count for over half of their their cap at like a hundred and six million dollars, and then you add Brooke Lopez too. Yeah, and I would you know, I would not a great contract. I would still move Brooke Lopez and try to get a little more athletic down low. And it's gonna be interesting to see what they do in the draft too coming up, because they could use another athletic big. Not necessarily a uh, Bobby Portis, right? Bobby Portis was playing big minutes because he's a little more athletic version of Brooke Lopez. Not quite as offensively gifted, but has. You talk about a guy that outplayed his contract. Holy cow. Bobby Portis? Yeah, he was making $3.6 million this year, <laughs> and he's got a he's got a player option. That is absurd. And he's probably going to opt out, and, uh, and the Bucks could probably yeah, maybe. get him back for five million. It's going to be interesting to see too, because anytime you win a championship, you start getting some of these veteran guys in the league that are kind of ring chasing a little bit. That's going to be that wouldn't have necessarily been there last offseason for Milwaukee. Some of these guys, like not necessarily Dwight Howard, but Dwight Howard when he went to LA was kind of chasing a little bit of a ring. Took a pretty team-friendly deal, and went to a play in L.A. So not necessarily... Or Marcus that's, Gasol. Mar- yeah, Mark, another one that's done that traditionally in the past, and even, you know, just someone that's... Well, been, let's... I mean, it ended up happening this way, but look at Jay Crowder. Yeah, it, well, exactly. That Someone that's a veteran that sees a talented team and it's like, hey... I'll take less... I'm going to play here. Yep. We see it with LeBron's entire career veterans wanting to go play with him. Well, you look even back at Jordan. Look at Jordan. Yep. And now LeBron, and, you know, you see it. The Just because of how far spread out the NBA is, I mean, you look at Sean Livingston for Golden State even. Andre Godala, Andrew Bogut, uh, David West, all playing in Golden State, that were all veterans that took veteran minimum to go play there because yeah. they had so much money wrapped up in 
Kevin Durant, Clay, and Steph. You know, the and those kind of players I think are going to be willing to come to Milwaukee. So that's going to be a depending what happens in the next eight weeks, you might see a better Buck team coming back next year. Well, it's interesting. I think the biggest, I think there's no doubt that they're going to try and bring um, Bobby Porter's back just because of what he means to this team and to the city. But the, the most interesting guy that, that uh, is up for contract is PJ Tucker, who somehow found his way with DiVincenzo going out, finds his way into the starting lineup. And now he's a valuable defensive asset, but he's up for contract. And there's a lot of rumors that they could do a sign and trade with him and maybe get back a first round asset from a team that's looking to add a a, a guy like PJ Tucker. So it's going to be interesting to see how the Bucks kind of change and, and, and build this roster on the back end um, to kind of relieve some money up. Right, and, and, and we've got plenty of time to talk about that. So let's just, a couple of things here. Let's go back to some of just the cooler things. When you talk about guys coming back just in a totally different element, just to flip-flop, how about Brandon Jennings being back last night in Milwaukee? The awesome. creator of Bucks and Six. Awesome. Michael Red was back last night. Greg Monroe was back last night. You know what I was surprised wasn't there? I'm a little disappointed in. Who's that? Aaron Rodgers. You know, I thought about this, and I, I heard this on a different show, and I can't remember which one it was, so I'm not going to give credit for it. I'm not surprised he wasn't in Milwaukee. I would have almost guaranteed he was going to be at one of the games in Phoenix. I, it's just, No, so... Isn't it kind of crazy to think about the optic of Aaron Rodgers versus Giannis right now? Oh, yeah. And, like, Aaron, the, the fact that Giannis just won a ring makes Well, so Aaron did Aaron Rodgers. Won. So did Aaron Rodgers. Not the one we want. Right. But he's, he still won a ring yesterday. Not the not <laughs> Two-time champion, not Ramsey. The one, not the one we want. <laughs> I, go, I, go back, I go back to what I was saying, though, is that you're... How bad is that optic of Giannis kind of being a man of the people right now? Giannis, not, not kind of. He, he very is much the man is of the, the man of the people. And Aaron's the... So you have, like, and you have two polar opposites, right? You have Aaron, who's probably the most manipulative athlete in the world right now. And you have Giannis, who is the least. And is just happy to be in Milwaukee. And how bad of an optic is that for Aaron Rodgers going into the next few weeks here? Well, you know, you want to talk about... Just uh, you know, with optics, every who's who in the state was there last night. Yeah. The well, first of all, the entire Brewer squad was in one of the boxes. Christian Yelich is down courtside, sitting next to Mallory Edens. Well, and you said I mean, Michael Red, Brandon Jennings, Milwaukee legends. I mean, right. those are guys that we kind of grew up with. That probably a lot of other people in the country don't really know who they are anymore, but. You had Chance the Rapper there last night, who has become the biggest, one of the more famous Bucks fans since 2015. Yeah. Who has promised a song for the Bucks at some point in the next nice. upcoming days. You had, I'm trying to think of who else. I mean, there was a, it was just, as the NBA Finals are just kind of an event, so you kind of have a lot of who's who anyway. But you had, like I said, just Christian Yelts in courtside next to Mary Edens, Bucks' daughter, or Bucks' owner's daughter. You had. Like I said, Chance the Rapper down there, you had, you know, just... Was Bakhtiari down there last night? I don't think so. I didn't see him, but that kind of surprises me, too, that he wasn't... 
But you had, I th- I want to say either Aaron Jones or Zadarius Smith was there last night. I can't. Zadarius has been in quite a few of those games down there. You had, like I said, you had just the NBA world, all eyes on the state of Wisconsin. Two of your three MVPs, and the reigning NFL MVP was not. And, you know, how good is it, too, for the state of Wisconsin, who, in my opinion, nationwide produces some of the best fundamental basketball players in the country are coming out of the state of Wisconsin? And you kind of had a true fundamental team win last night. That's not necessarily the whole AAU culture team mm-hmm. that was able to win the NBA championship. Well, I heard this, so I was not, you know, we haven't had that Justin talk in a while, but the interesting part about kind of the narrative now that Milwaukee's won, A, it puts Giannis into a whole different category yeah. of legendary player. And that's a different discussion for a different day. We've had it a couple times already. But just the fact that, when you really think about the elements of the Bucks' success and everyone saying, oh, well, now maybe the NBA will go away from the super team, they're not going to. No, it's going to lead more into and, it. And the reason for that, you know, everyone's saying, well, the Bucks did it right. They did it organically. They did this, they did this over the course of eight years. Well, if you're a GM in the NBA, you're not getting eight years to build a roster. And they happen to get incredibly lucky. They got so lucky with Giannis. Because European players in general, are they're higher now, but traditionally it's better. Well, they're about, higher because of guys like Giannis, guys like Luka. But traditionally speaking, it's been yeah. a 50-50 split if those guys actually work in the NBA or not. You have European guys coming over that are lifelong NBA players, but to be a star... Well, for every Giannis Antetokounmpo, you have an Emmanuel Moutier. Yeah, and there's usually more Emmanuel Moutiers than Giannis's. So, and then to get Chris Middleton, who, he wasn't even the centerpiece of that trade. Yeah, that was just an afterthought. So it's one of those things that, like, even the Dave Portnoy, I think Justin Tatum in this today about LeBron James taking shortcuts. I. Uh, agree with that statement, but I disagree with it all the same time. Like, did LeBron James take shortcuts to win? No. I don't think so. He did what he had to, when the whole conversation starts. You go back to 2010, when he signs with Miami. He did what he had to do to win in the what the NBA was. Because Boston did it. Well, I And think- the Lakers were kind of doing it too. I think regardless of that point, he still goes to a bigger market. Well, right, I, but that's what I'm saying. But that's what he had to do to be able to get past Boston. And really, the fact that we go back to what we were just talking about Milwaukee is that they were built in eight years, and LeBron gave eight years to Cleveland, and their best player at the time he left was what? Zagir Rogowskis? Right. Or I believe uh, Antoine Jameson was there at the time. And Antoine Jameson to Chris Middleton, as much of a Chris Middleton fan as I am, <laughs> they're two totally different players. Justin, you alive over there? Yeah, I'm listening. I'm, uh, I, I, I don't know how the South Sun got tar- turned into a LeBron James talk. Because it's Eric and Ramsey. So I'm just, well, I'm we, just listening. We're just hitting it because I think... It's kind of linked back to what we were talking about earlier with 
I think Giannis has kind of taken the torch from LeBron. I think that's, that, that transition's now happened officially. LeBron at today, I don't think, is the best player in the NBA anymore. And that's kind of a sad day waking up as a LeBron fan, watching Giannis do what he did last night. But like I said to start the show, for the last 10 years, you've been watching LeBron and being like, no other player in the league can carry a team the way that LeBron did and Giannis just did and probably did it better than any of LeBron's finals. And there's no reason wow. to think he won't. I mean, the dude's 26. Wow. And I know I'm kind of being probably a cop in the moment a little bit, and that opinion might change, but at this point, I think that was probably the most impressive six-frame stretch I've ever seen. And I've been watching the NBA now for 15 years, and I get that's not a huge sample size, but that I think it's sample size enough. I've seen some excellent players win some big games, and I don't think I've seen a better six-game stretch. So it's it was I I don't disagree. I'm just I'm just shocked at the statement from you because I know I know how deeply you feel about LeBron and and and, and to say that um, e- even to the part to where that Giannis is taking the the torch from from LeBron LeBron I you know I I don't know. There's just so many great players in, in the league like. We're we're gonna talk about this next year, and it might it might be Durant that that's hoisting it. Two years ago, or when when Kawhi was was with uh, Toronto, it was all about you know, Kawhi, and or what you know. This thing just changes so often. There's no doubt that that Giannis is just you know once in a lifetime type of talent that Milwaukee's never gonna see. But uh, I I'm ne- I you know I. In anything, I've never really liked the the torch or, or the the flag bearer or you know that kind of stuff that you know because Jordan was great and and Kobe was great and and say it Bird was great you know say and it Giannis is great you know no no it's no, no, just, no say it say the name you're not saying say it I said LeBron okay. Just had to make sure that that uh, had, had to make sure that it came out of your mouth. Wait, I got to say LeBron twice. I'm not saying that he's not great. So I'm saying I'm, I'm saying what I've always said. He's got to play on a super team to win a championship. Giannis did. So there. Um. So in the NBA, just put a little context of that is that for the last 40 years, there's been a face of the league. Every seven to 10 years, it changes. It was Bird and Magic Johnson. They both kind of had the same time. It kind of flip-flop back and forth. Then it became Michael's League. And then for a brief stint there in the late 90s, early 2000s, it was Tim Duncan's League. And then it was Kobe for about three or four years there, from about 2005, 2009, probably. Well, I would say before that. And I, Looking I would, at probably 2001. I mean, you don't think it was ever no, Shaq? No, it was League? still Tim Duncan's League. Shaq, Tim Duncan, it was their league at that point. Kobe kind you know of took it mean, after that. But that's what I mean. Is like, you you depending on who you are and and what your favorite is, you could call it. You know, people in 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 more populated areas are still going to call it LeBron's league. People on the East Coast are still going to call it Durant's league, or or Steph Curry's league. But see, that's what uh, kind of what I'm getting at right now is that I think that conversation has kind of shifted. And I've already heard it today. It's kind of shifted from, yeah, it's been 
Kawhi has been mentioned as a great player, but everyone leads after that with, oh, he doesn't play all that often. And then people go, yeah, it's Steph Curry's lead, but oh, he doesn't play defense. And so throughout that entire time, it's still been LeBron's lead. It's still been LeBron's been the face of the league. LeBron's been your premier player in the league just because he's the next great thing. And what I was getting at with the whole Giannis talk was that he, at this point, you can say, I think it's Giannis's league, but you can't tell me what his weakness is aside from not being able to shoot a free throw. Or three-pointer. I think he's kind of transitioned to more of a paint player, though. I think that yeah. that, and what I've kind of mentioned this before in the pod on how refreshing this last series, both series on both sides were where the mid-range game has actually been extremely valuable. Well, and we said it oh, before man. the start Beautiful of the series in that, in that, that, right. that fundamental teams are the ones that are here. And it almost always kind of ends up being that way. And you can get by on, you know, threes, and you can get by on, you know, just spread the floor, iso ball, hero ball, dunks in the regular season. The fundamental teams, the best basketball teams, will always be in the finals. Well, and like I said, we watched it with the last two, the two teams we watched last night. They both played. Phoenix, I don't think, played great defense, but I don't think they played good enough defense to win games. They played a complete offensive game. You had all three facets of the offensive scoring tiers hit. Same with Milwaukee. You had. You're scoring in the paint, you're able to hit an 18-footer, and you're able to hit a three-point shot. And that's something that's just a refreshing thing to watch in the NBA. Solid defense, and then teams being able to use all of the offensive weapons available instead of just focusing on, like, watching Houston play, whether it's dunk or three. Seven second, dunk or three, figure it out, get back on defense to try to get a turnover and go back down to the same thing. Yeah, it's you know, it it was it was just awesome all the way around. It. Uh, we you could talk you could talk about that all day long or different facets, but I, I was gonna ask you guys if you had a, a little noogie to hand out for the game. Pat Connaughton, because I've got one. Pat Connaughton, for I me, got, it's Pat Connaughton. I got one too. I have been, and that's more just on a personal vendetta that I've been hyping him up at every turn this series. And he still played big minutes last night. But just, I mean, he had a chance to really, at times, just kind of play for his next contract, play for his legacy, play for that guy that he was never going to take the fan favorite role from Bobby Porters, but he had opportunities that if he plays just a little bit better last night, like it almost kind of sours everything he did. But at the same time, obviously, you know, you can sit here as an as a knowledgeable sports fan and realize that it doesn't. See, I was about to say, I don't think it does. He played huge minutes up to last yeah. night. I think he, he just had a defense. And everyone gets a tough game. He just had a tough game. No, he did. And like I said, that's on a personal note. Um, I didn't realize he was drafted. Yeah. I realized so that's why you probably he's, love him, probably as some baseball guy. He's he was gonna say he's been drafted by two teams. I, I did not realize that, so that that's, That's actually not why I love him. I just uh, sure. It it doesn't hurt though. As I'll say, sure. <laughs> Justin or Ramsey, you're a noogie. 
I think the refing yeah. was terrible. Oh, well, last yeah. Night. Yeah, that I'm was. Gonna, my noogie's going to all. Scott Foster and crew. Oh, Scott. It was. I, you know, at last night, and like I said on Monday, I, I picked the Bucks last night to win. I had Phoenix in the series to start. So I kind of realized after game five, I fucked up. But the fish eating last night was so up and down. And it was one of those things that's like. You're calling real light fouls on one end, and then people are getting fouled on the other, and you're not calling it at all. And then it's not even necessarily was directed at any team. It was just inconsistent. Yeah, and I mean, there were some really crucial moments, too. Um, and as a Bucks fan, you know, we're going to be biased towards pointing those out. There was one sequence where Giannis picks up that offensive goaltend on the alley-oop. Yeah. And it was debatable at best, but nothing that you can really prove. Like, yep. you couldn't challenge it. And then maybe a possession or two later, they play an incredible defense, get a block, and they call a dead ball for the shot clock violation as Giannis is halfway down the court. I know. It's just... And that that's just one sequence. I mean, we can point to, I mean, all the flopping. And both teams... Sean and I were watching the game last night. She was over to watch the game, and she's a very, very casual basketball fan. Yeah. And she looked at me, so she's like, I think it was when Pat Connaughton drew the offensive foul, uh, not on Booker, but one on Jay Crowder tracing for a rebound. And she's like, oh, did, did, did he have to do that to get the call? I'm like, he shouldn't have to when he got poked in the eye and got like slapped across the face. Like he shouldn't have to. He did because that's the way he was going to get the call. But he shouldn't have to. But that's the thing. It was just so wishy washy. It was soccer esque, like Justin pointed out a couple episodes yeah. back. And that's one thing I wish the NBA would adjust the way they officiate some of these games because it makes for a bad product when it's viewed as weak fouls that we call on everything. And that kickout foul needs to die. Oh my God. That kickout foul where they call it on the, the defense. There was one last night specifically. I can't remember who actually drew the foul. I want to say it was I want to say it was Chris or PJ. But Jay Crowder took a shot from the elbow and touched nobody. Except he like he kicked his foot out and he tripped. Yeah. And yeah. not that's not even the egregious one where he actually tripped and they called it on. That's when Bobby Porter's like got the foul, then he got the technical for Long leg hopping down the court. <laughs> I was a little stressed out about that. Like, Bobby, dude, you got to know the moment a little better than that. You can't yeah. get it. Because that was in the fourth quarter, too, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. If I remember it. Huge moment, yeah. I was like, Bobby, dude, you got to know the moment a little bit better than that. You can't Chris, take a right Chris now. Middleton had one of the better moments out of that, though. He said, he looked at Bobby, I, I know you didn't follow him, but we're playing for a championship. Yeah. Come on. Justin, what do you have, bud? What? Well, my mine is is somewhat similar to to yours, Ramsey. But uh, I'm going Jeff Van Gundy. Oh, I hate Jeff this Van guy, Gundy. He was he was absolutely brutal last night. But a specific call when they called uh, Giannis on a foul guarding Booker on a drive, and, and Booker's elbow is legitimately in Giannis's chin. Oh yeah, uh, his I, I know. Elbow is legitimately in Giannis's chin, and and Van Gundy is is barking about all the contact that is going on, and then he says the line, 
and you wonder why offensive efficiency is down in the NBA. <laughs> That's right. And I'm thinking that myself, was so bad. How in the world are you going to live and die on a call like that? That is an offensive foul in any other facet of basketball that that you have played, that you have watched, or or, or participated in any facet of basketball. That is clearly an offensive clear out foul with a with the offensive player's elbow in the chin of the defensive player. It was great defensive position by Giannis. He was in the right spot. And, and then it was a play later in the game where, where it was clearly, I think it was a PJ Tucker um, slap uh, on the ball that forced a turnover uh, against Chris Paul or maybe Booker. Um, it, it, he stole it and Giannis got it, but he pulled it out for to run the clock later in the game. And Van Gundy says that's clearly a foul and not really knowing what he's talking about. It's very clear that Tucker hits the ball before he hits uh, Booker or Paul's hand, which is clearly, it's clearly a, a turnover by the Phoenix Suns. I got a point. Well, I just thought Van Gundy was absolutely garbage last night, and more than usual. I, I'm a, I'm usually a Van Gundy guy just because he's kind of, he kind of brings light to, to the game. Uh, Mark Jans, Mark Jackson's kind of dull. Uh, doesn't really add a lot of value to, to uh, the game or the experience of watching the game on TV. Van Gundy is kind of an uplifting spirit and, and does that, but I thought he was absolutely brutal last night. I had to laugh at the right before half when Devin Booker um, was trying to draw that foul, and they're like looking at it quick, and they show the replay, and he's like, "Oh yeah, no, that that's what they're looking for. They're they're making sure there wasn't a foul. Yep, the clock's done. It's like, yeah, <laughs> this wasn't. Yeah, we didn't need that hard hitting analysis there, bud." Um, I do have one more noogie, and this is on behalf of a one of our listeners. Uh, shout out Ty Pilot. Ty Pilot, uh, one of my friends from GB, one of my friends from actually back in Gillette too. Uh, his mom, Jen Pilot, teaches in Gillette. Okay. And Ty had been at the Deer District for Game Four, and as we kind, as you would kind of expect from the things you see on TV. Well, the Deer District, I was almost going to go last night, and after what Ty told me, I'm very glad I didn't. He said that, and I'm going to put a little bit of words on his mouth, the Deer District kind of deserves a little bit of a noogie as a, for a basketball watching environment. If you're down there just to party and be down there for the moment, awesome. Like, by all means, like, that's not noogie. That's not what I'm saying. But here was Ty's review of the Deer District. And this is, quote, I went down to the Deer District for Game 4. The atmosphere in Milwaukee was incredible and a fun place to be. However, if you really want to watch the game, the Deer District isn't the place to be. Unless you're 6'5", you have to stand on your toes just to see the screen. The screens really weren't that very large and low to the ground. I have great vision. I still couldn't tell who was who on the court. After the end of the third quarter, my group left and headed to the bar nearby so we could actually watch the game. Deer District was super fun, but not the ideal place to actually watch, which... That's kind of what it was going to be. I kind of figured that, but you would really think for as big of a deal as they, especially like last night, as they would have made it. And granted, he went game four, not game six. 
But you need to have that. I mean, you go to a concert and you can you go to like a festival concert. The screens there are big. They have more than one. They have them high enough where even the people in the back can see. Like that's kind of day one. And 65,000 people need better than that. Yeah. I guess that's what it all boils down to, right? Was, so was the Deer District kind of a thrown-together thing, though, for the playoffs? Yeah, it has to be. Right. So, I mean, I guess I can't. I'm with can't. you. It deserves a noogie. But the, it, next year, I mean, I guess it's probably better thought out. Yeah, and I mean they they've had the Deer District. They didn't have I don't think they've ever had giant watch parties there. It wasn't like how it was last night or for game four. Four or three for that matter. Yeah. But yeah, I just I like I said, it from what he said, it made me very glad that I didn't go. And I was also really surprised on how and this isn't a pleasant this was a pleasant surprise, just how quick they cleared that out after the game too. Yeah. Well, like I said, I'm wondering if there's not a lot of, like, transplants down there. Right. That aren't necessarily, like, walking down to the Deer District if they're kind of... Proud of Milwaukee, though, for not burning the city down. That was nice. Yeah, only three known injuries just from a couple of shootings last night, which never good. That's Milwaukee. Right. Uh, the only... Just on the flip side of that argument, though, we have a video that we're going to play in a couple minutes here that is from a guy I had worked with in Door County, Nick Frymouth. Uh, he had worked at the radio station with me. Now he's kind of doing his own thing like we are. I host, uh, I got to make sure I don't butcher this because don't want, you know, he great, gave us some great content here. Uh, Nick Frymouth is the owner, co-host of Let's Go Door County, I believe it's called. So I'm going to double check on that. Yeah, Let's Go Door County. And he does, he goes all around the county doing a um, hundred different things. And, and that's always kind of been his role anyway. And Nick was at the game in game three. And he gave us an incredible breakdown of being a game three, the environment, and now kind of reflecting on the NBA final. So I'm going to play that here for you guys, and and we'll kind of conclude the episode after that. Hey, Eric, thanks for having me on tonight. I just wanted to talk a little bit about the fan experience from the NBA finals. So I took, which was a lifetime memory, I got a chance to take my nine, soon-to-be 10-year-old daughter to her first ever NBA Finals, right? I mean, for all of us. I mean, <laughs> you and I weren't alive 50 years ago, 47 years ago for their last Finals appearance. So when we walked in, the Deer District, and this is, we got there before the gates even opened, right, to get into Pfizer Forum. And I couldn't believe the camaraderie and the positivity towards Suns fans as well. I mean, you know, you go to Philadelphia or anywhere else and they're going to boo you and sometimes throw things at you. But personally, I always make it a point, right? If I see someone from Phoenix or wearing Suns gear, I always welcome them to the arena or the place, especially at Lambeau, right? I want those people to feel welcome and feel excited about this experience. It's for them probably their first time at Lambeau. Many people their first time at Pfizer Forum if they were coming from Phoenix. There was a couple of Suns fans and I mean very few. In our section, we got a chance to sit right behind David Bakhtiari. If you watch the beer chugs, uh, there's my daughter and I right behind him. It was, it was incredible. But the Suns fans, uh, of course, they tried to do the count for Giannis's free throws. So there was a bit of a hostile environment even at home. And that made it fun, that banter back and forth between fans. But we've been seeing this wave, Eric, as, I don't know, probably Giannis 
was growing to be an MVP, here in Door County at least, and certainly in Milwaukee, where there was this overriding optimism. But this wave wouldn't crest until last night when now, what can we officially call it? A tidal wave. This tidal wave of fandom has fallen over the state of Wisconsin like never before in our lifetimes. Ray Allen, I was at game five of the Eastern Conference Finals in 2002. Took my dad, we had nosebleed seats, but we were there. Iverson cut us up, it was terrible. <laughs> we got our butts kicked. And that place was as loud as I had ever heard the Bradley Center. Well, I've been to the Eastern Conference Finals since uh, just a couple of years ago, pre-COVID, had a chance to sit courtside, and it didn't go so well, right? Uh, we don't need too much of a history lesson. But that was comparable. However, the finals were at a totally different level of fandom. And it was the noise factor. It was the celebrity factor. How cool was that? I mean, Chance the Rapper, Gucci, I don't even know these guys. Gucci Mane, uh, <laughs> to see Donald Driver there twice, Bakhtiari there a few times, to see John Kuhn there, to get a chance to see Dave Chappelle and Tucker and a few other big names. Show Crow, how about that, right? Who knew? But who was missing with all of that? That was one thing that really got at me here the last two to three weeks. Are you kidding me? Like, I know there's issues going on between you and the Packers. But where the hell was Aaron Rodgers? You're a 1% minority owner in a team that just won an NBA Finals, and you can't make a single appearance? Oh, my God. If there's one thing that just drove me crazy, and I suppose being more of a Packer fan than I am a Buck fan, that got to me even more, where I'm like, okay, dude, show face. Look what Giannis just did. The whole platform that Giannis stood on was loyalty and being a crowd and a person pleaser. And he's being, as he said, stubborn. He, <laughs> he wasn't going to give up on the city. And we're getting that opposite feeling from Aaron Rodgers right now. Drives me crazy. But I know, Eric, you really wanted me to focus on just that, what it was like to watch the game, what it felt like, the adrenaline. You couldn't imagine it as a player. But as a fan, to have the hairs stand up on your arm, to see that place and not just hear it, because my daughter at three different occasions, and she has no problems with noise. My son would have been doing this, hands over the ears, literally the whole game. But my daughter had it three different times, kind of be like, oh, Dad, it is so loud in here. Incredible. It's so much fun to see a fan base go above and beyond for a team, like many of the fan base would say Bobby Portis did by taking a discount to coming to Milwaukee, like Giannis did staying here, not going to chase the dream team. It's so cool that these two have really gone hand in hand, and I can't wait for the parade tomorrow. It's going to be crazy. Can you imagine? It's not a super long route, but if there were 65,000 people outside plus the 20,000 or 16,500 inside, I can't imagine what the parade is going to turn out. And bravo, Milwaukee, to have Deer District get as much national attention, to have NBA Commissioner Adam Stern sit there on an ABC pregame show and say, this is what the NBA is all about, that fans are the oxygen of the game. I love that analogy. Without the fans in the bubble last year, I'm so thankful that if the Bucks were going to only win it once, it wasn't in the bubble. Could you have imagined? None of us would have been able to share in any of this, right? Just crazy. The city is going to be abuzz for quite a while yet. This isn't going to die down either. I can't wait to see what next year is going to be like, to be very honest. And I'm not talking about repeat, but the fandom. Because we all know there are a lot of Fairweather fans and some people jumped back on the bus and they were naysayers and the NBA got themselves in enough political uh, 
red tape for a while as well. But a lot of that is mending or mended. Some of them are broken forever. And you know those people in your life, right? The people that once they disrespect the flag or take a different political stance that this is no more law, no longer entertainment, but it's a political device. And I get that. I'm not that way. I think most true sports fans that this is either what we did growing up. We loved it. We do it for an occupation. Uh, Eric, we've had a chance to work together and seeing both sides, right? Working in that media room at Bradley Center or Pfizer Forum, being a member of the media for the Green Bay Packers, then going as a fan. So I've had a chance. I worked the Eastern Conference Finals a few years ago as a worker, right? I mean, no, you can't call us beat reporters. We're fans at that point. Really? I'm, there are some people out there that truly take themselves and their job and their occupation that serious. But when you're in the finals and it's your home state team, you're no longer a fan. It was like me at Super Bowl 45. Oh, my goodness. Best day of my life. I wasn't a reporter that day. I was a fanboy trying to take it all in. However, I was there to do a job, right? So very similar. I truly believe Super Bowl 45 and the 2021 NBA championship. This team has Giannis, though. The global draw of what Giannis Antetokounmpo is doing for Milwaukee. How many Greek are going to come to the state of Wisconsin because of him? They want to see him play in his home stadium. And he talks so highly of the city and its people and their work ethic. It's incredible. So <laughs> Milwaukee, Wisconsin is on the global map like it has never been before. And yes, I get it. Hey, Miller Products, it should be global. No, it's not. The Brewers, great, excellent, right? That's not what the Bucks are doing right now. It's just not. The Bucks are a global force. I never thought I'd say that. I didn't even think they'd be a national force. But they're both. And it's because of great fans. I, I don't think without that atmosphere, it has it wouldn't have climbed to where we are today. NBA champions. Go Bucks. Bucks in six. How crazy was that? <laughs> Thank you for letting me appear today, Eric. This has been a lot of fun. Uh, certainly a Bucks fan for life. I remember my first, one of my first games as a kid. I'm, I, I'm sure you do too. And those stories are always fun to tell as well. But those games that you go along, I remember seeing Dwayne Wade as a heat when he was really early. I remember seeing Kobe and Shaq on a Christmas game when I was like nine or 10. Uh, yeah, we've all got these memories, but nothing like this. Nothing like this. Bango the Bucks, pretty famous right now. <laughs> hey, let's go to our county from the beautiful Door Peninsula. I'm Nick Frymuth, and I'm so happy to join your podcast here tonight. Eric, keep up the great work. You're a great young man. Uh, hey, I believe in you, too. Let's go. Keep it up, guys. Awesome stuff, Nick. I, what a great segment. Just an odd, thanks for doing that. Like, that's awesome. I, I, went show to, greatly. I went to talk to him today and just said, hey, because he, he was down there for game three, like I said. And he had actually been kind of really contributing to, like, a sports memorabilia group for, like, Milwaukee Bucks game use stuff. And he had some, like, the fan giveaway towels that from game three. And I went and bought one because, you know, why not? I already spent enough money on the, the hat and the Bucks and six shirt. Might as well have a piece from the arena even though I couldn't go. But reached out to him. I'm like, hey, by the way, like, can you do this? Like, can you kind of just sum up what it was like being there? And... Thank you, Nick. So thanks to Nick. Thanks to Ty for making our show even better. And just a quick way to wrap this up. I mean, I'm going to ask you guys biggest, I, I don't even know what to even ask here, I guess, but biggest takeaway or thing that maybe we haven't said yet or just lasting impression of last night's championship win. And I'll let Ramsey go first. I it looks would like he's got something say here. 
for me, mm-hmm. it's more so just something that I did not think was possible with having a roster that was constructed as they are currently. And it is something that I'm super thrilled with. Like, you know, I talked a lot of shit about the Bucks over the last six months. So I don't take any of that back because it's all, I still think it's true. Like, I still Well, think it's in the moment. It's in the moment. It's none of that. I, so I'm not backtracking on anything I said about them because I do think that it's still not a great constructed roster. It's kind of a weird roster if you look at it. But they did something that I did not think that was possible for them to do based on the willpower of really three guys. <laughs> And some big bench minutes. So, congratulations, Milwaukee Bucks. Congratulations, Bucks fans. I'm thrilled for you guys. Like, enjoy it. Make sure to enjoy it because, again, no, nothing's guaranteed in sports. So, when you have an opportunity to win a championship, enjoy it for the moment. Don't worry about running it back next year. Like, just enjoy it over the summer. Enjoy it the parade tomorrow enjoy just being a buck fan yeah don't just try to focus on what's next like because it odds are it's never going to happen again right like it's not they took 50 years to get here it could take another 50 years to get done there's a bunch of teams like phoenix who've been around forever now that have not won a title so just enjoy the title in the moment celebrate it and just enjoy the moment that's probably the biggest takeaway i'd have for it justin i think from for me uh, I think I'm kind of on the same wavelength as, as Ramsey, but mine's a little more detailed. I think it's the raw emotion, the raw emotion from uh, on so many levels. For me personally, as a fan, a lifelong Bucks fan, uh, you know, growing up watching them, you're thinking, man, I don't know if we're ever gonna get out of the semifinals. And then two years ago, we make it to the the Eastern Conference Finals, and. And, and we have a, a rising budding star. And, and, you know, so the raw emotion uh, as a fan and a lifelong fan of, of watching the Bucks to, to finally reach the pinnacle, to, to get over the top, was awesome. I think Giannis's raw emotion, uh, sitting on the sideline after uh, kind of realizing, you know, he finally did it and, and, and all the things that it took from his parents to his brothers to his significant other to get to that level. He, he's done all the uh, singular accolades, but has not gotten the team accolades. And, and to do that, the, the raw emotion that he saw Chris Middleton, uh, I don't, you know, one thing we haven't really touched on was Chris Middleton didn't give up that trophy for, for any of it at the end of the game. He, he did not uh, hand that trophy over to anybody. He, he really loved it. Coach Bud's raw emotion, uh, that hug between him and Middleton and Giannis was was something special that that will go down in Bucks lore forever. Um, and, and on the on the flip side, the raw emotion from from Monty Williams, uh, watching some of his post game press conference, uh, kind of busting down into tears. This is a guy that that's faced tragedy in his life, losing his wife. Uh, a couple years ago, um, to reach in the pinnacle as a coach, um, he he's just a great guy, a class act. Going into the Bucks locker room as they're celebrating, champagnes flying, and and kind of giving the Bucks team a speech about how they made him a better coach, 
that's just stuff you don't really see professionals do a hell of a lot, especially in such a competitive series all the way around. So for me, the raw emotion of all of it, it's not that this series really meant or, or felt like either one of these two teams could have won it. It's not even like when Toronto won it. Toronto was the underdog all the way through and surprised. Um, it felt like these two teams, even after 2-0, it, it felt like these two teams could compete with each other in, in tight games all the way down. So, I mean, the raw emotion is, is something that we'll, we'll, as fans, never forget for the rest of our lives. Yeah, I'm just going to double down on that. I mean, you said, you know, Giannis, he had his Michael, he had his Jordan moment last night. He's, you know, everyone talks about, you know, Jordan after the finals where his father had passed away and that moment. And there's, you know, Kobe had a moment like that. LeBron had the moment in Cleveland like that. Giannis had that same, like you said, Justin, just sitting in, you know, sitting in the front row, just taking it in, having that raw emotion. And then the interview with the, on the podium, Chris, we did it. Chills. I, yeah. I remember so watching the end of the game, and when that starts to set in, that you know they come back in the fourth, they kind of get that lead back, and start to pull away a little bit. There was an element of nervousness, as you know we talk about the typical Wisconsin sports tortured sports fan, and then at the same time I was like, "Holy shit, this is kind of this is over," like this actually happened, and. And, you know, we talked before the playoffs even started, you know, back, feels like in January, but it obviously wasn't that far ago. Um, on paper, to get to this point, it was doable. When we sat and started talking NBA playoffs, it was like, okay, yeah, you know, you're going to have a tough first series against either New York or Miami. Then I remember we said on this show, you know, before the playoffs even started, then you got uh, Brooklyn. That's not a terrible matchup for them. You know, they can overcome it. Then I remember when the Brooklyn series happened, it was like, no, they can't. And then... Uh, like, yeah, they can. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they can, clearly. Um, but then, you know, we were kind of anticipating Philadelphia. Then, you know, it ended up being Atlanta. And at no... Like I said, you kind of... You had it on paper. And, and a lot of the things that we said on paper of what needed to happen did. Yeah, and I mean... And, so just the fact that, I mean, this team, and definitely, you know, more of a casual Bucks fan than, say, Justin, but I'd probably say a little bit more Bucks fan than Ramsey. So kind of our true middleman here. This team made me believe. And I said that really early against, you know, even in the Miami series where it was, you know, the Bucks answered every punch. They, they found ways that, like I said, in the past that they'd fold before. Last season, they would have, you know, folded. 2019, they fold. 2018, they fold. And then this year, you can't really pinpoint it as to what was different. Other than, you know, you, you have a couple of different faces there. But it just was, it, it felt special along the way. And every championship team needs that, you know, this is special moment. Mm -hmm. And... Just along the way, like I said, I bought in. And I, I can't even pinpoint, I think maybe after game two of the Miami series is when I was like, okay, this is actually legitimate. 
You know, they survive game one, and then game two, they just go balls to the wall. And didn't look back after that Miami series. They got down 0-2 against Brooklyn. They get down against Atlanta. They get down against uh, Phoenix. And you weren't really worried. I mean, I mean, I know we were after the Brooklyn getting down 0-2 because it was so ugly. But even then, I mean, they come back, they rally game three. It's an ugly win game three. Game four, they need, what they needed to do. Game five, they let it get away from them. But then lights come on, game six. And game seven, survivor go home, it happened. So just there's a million different narratives. There's a million different, you know, just watching Giannis mature kind of before our eyes, even this postseason. And then, you know, the special moments last night. And just I remember sitting in the the living room here at the Riverwood Gallery being a true value studio. And sitting in my living room and just like in stunned silence. And you guys know me, I don't I'm not quiet. I'm not silent. And just taking it in and like Ramsey said, just take it in. You know, we were talking on the podcast on Monday. Just if you would have told me that it would be ten years from the last Wisconsin sports championship and then it'd be the Bucks, I would have never believed you after that Super Bowl in twenty eleven. We've had some of the best sports teams, top to bottom. We've had three MVPs, technically four, because Ryan Braun won one in there, too. I forgot about that. We've had four MVPs in this state, and just proves how hard winning is. Take it in. Go to the parade today, you know, with release here. Take it in. Go get your free taco at Taco Bell for the comeback last night. Enjoy it. Enjoy everything that comes along with it. Seriously, not just because we're technically, you know, ambassadors of Fanatics. Get yourself a Bucks championship yep. T-shirt, you know, or a hat, whatever, yeah. whatever. Just enjoy the moment because you don't know when it'll happen again. If it'll happen again, the Bucks. Giannis is a special player. We have him locked up for the next what seven years, Justin, something like that. No, no, six no. years. No, it's like three or four. Oh, because he's got that opt out. That's right. Yeah. But even at that, you know, Giannis, and the kind of the cool thing is last night that tweet from 2014 of Giannis going around, I'm not leaving until I win a championship in Milwaukee. That was going around last night. Uh, Eric Name from The Athletic wrote just an incredible profile on Giannis last night. So just everything, take it all in, read as much as you can. Enjoy everything about this. And just, just be a fan. Be a fan. Be a fan. You're not too cool to be a fan. Right. I think that's well spoken. I, I think one of the things that we left out just real quick, Eric, is uh, uh, Giannis wearing the, the Jim Paschke shirt up up to the, the podium, the press conference podium at the end. This is obviously Paschke's uh, last year doing it, and what a special way to send him out. So true legend. Speaks to the character of Giannis. Yeah, he FaceTimed him last night, too, because Paschke couldn't be there uh, due to health and safety protocols. Same with his brother, actually, too, uh, Thanasis. Mm-hmm. Thanasis. Yeah, something Greek. The other odd of but that's not how I... <laughs> but, yeah, take it in. Take Thanasis. It in. Thank you, Justin. Take it in. Enjoy it. <laughs> be a fan, like we were. We, we, we assembled last minute to, to do this and just... We need to talk about it. So thank you guys for listening. This is a special 
Bucks Championship episode of the Rupert Wisconsin Show. I'm Eric. That's Ramsey. That's Justin. We are out. See ya. Salute. Bye.